32 counties united by people. My name is Andrea and this is United Ireland. Every week on United Ireland we go under the hood of issues in Ireland beyond the headlines bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. This week we are talking to Sunil Sharp. He is the founder of Give Us a Night and has been working tirelessly to enhance our clubbing um, ecosystem. Uh, he has been on the Nighttime Economy Task Force. He has been DJing. Um, but most of all, he was at the meeting with uh, Catherine Martin, Leo and Michal Martin uh, the other day about the opening roadmap for clubbing and culture. So very excited to talk to him. But before we do, uh, as we've mentioned before, we're an independent podcast and we need your support. If you like what you're hearing and you have a cutesy little three euro, go on over to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and pay for this podcast. Um, it really does help in many, many ways. Um, thank you to people who do support us. Um, and to those who are about to support us, we thank you graciously. Uh, do it now. Have you done it yet? What about now? Okay, that's enough now. Um, if you haven't listened, Una has a beautiful byline episode with Sarah Shulman. You should pop on over to that, have a little listen, get your money's worth with your Patreon uh, subscriptions. You deserve it. Um, and speaking of Una, she is gone off uh, for the month at Paris. So it will be my dulcet tones that you'll be hearing for this month. No, Una, alas. Um, I hope she is very productive and has a lovely time and eats croissants and drinks uh, vino a la table. Um, and what else do you do in Spain? AKA France. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Um, yeah, pop over patreon.com forward slash United Ireland. Now it's time for State of the Nation. <laughs> Our interview is quite long today, so I am going to whiz through the state of the nation. It's been a bit of dramatic uh, this week. Um, when is it not, says everyone. Um, the government announced their reopening plan, roadmap. Huzzah. Um, looks like October 22nd is when all... Um, Restrictions will be taken away and then it will be given over to personal responsibility. Um, you make the call, COVID certs gone, clubs open, um, you cinemas at full capacity. Already we've gone back to transport at full capacity. Um, there's a lot of uh, obviously happy people about this, but also anxious people about this. As, as we know, COVID has not gone away. Um, a nursing home has been put on full lockdown because of an outbreak. So it will be interesting to look at the next few weeks. Um, there is a roadmap in place for the events industry, which has been crying out for um, some timing. So look, we'll watch this space. I think we are all cognizant of what we can and can't do and uh, being careful on what our own boundaries are and how that they affect other people, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we'll... Uh, Huzzah for the reopening plans and we'll watch this one with interest. Um, the government's long-awaited housing for all uh, plan launches on Thursday, um, which is just after we've recorded this, so we can't report on it just yet. Um, there is a lot of rebuild of building in there, maybe not enough attention on vacant housing, um, may, but sure, look, I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. Um, Paralympic athletes have been making it rain with medals. It's you love to see it. The Irish flag has been coming up a lot. Um, so congratulations over in Tokyo. Got have a lot of sing song voice today over in Tokyo. Um the Cable Street, Parliament Street pedestrianization, um, Dublin City Council are calling for your input. If you have any thoughts on whether pedestrianization is a good thing, uh, and a little secret of what United Ireland podcasts think it's a resounding yes. 
pop on over and give your two cents, whether it is, whether it should be extended, whether it should be not just at weekends, whether, oh, I don't know, maybe the whole street could be pedestrianized. Anyway, we have our chance to have our input. You can't give out about things um, when the results come out if you haven't taken the opportunity to put throw in your war. So go and do it. Uh, Google Cable Street Parliament Street pedestrianization and put, you can, like you don't have to write spiels and spiels. It can just be short and sweet. But do take the time to go over and do it. It'll be worth it. This city is yours. Um, if you live in Dublin and for everyone who doesn't live in Dublin, my apologies for being so Dublin centric. Not very Dublin centric. Well, I suppose it is. Our government, uh, Marion Gate. I'm sorry, the sing song thing. I'm a bit tired, a bit sick. Uh, so the sing song thing seems to be just coming out. I, I, like, I'm sorry. But uh, Marion Gate has kicked off again. Uh, there's been text messages that were screen grabbed hours apart. There's been freedom of information uh, that people have asked to see if there was text between Catherine Zappone and Leo and it was said there was not. So the freedom of information was denied. Um, however, then they've released the texts. That's not a good look, is it? Um, there's been phone hacks. Um, we haven't heard about them before, but yes, that's the reason. Apparently people are deleting all their text messages and also to free up space. So maybe the real issue here is that government ministers might need to buy an extra bit of gigabytes for their phones to get a bit more data. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll watch this unfold. Um, and likewise, we will watch uh, the Taliban have started setting up their government structures. It, uh, they have been doing a big PR offense saying that things are going to be different. It doesn't feel like it. Um, especially since the first thing they've done is banned music. Not that we're surprised. Now, for our main interview, we're joined by Sunil Sharp. Sunil is the founder of Give Us a Night. He's been flat out campaigning for a better dancing community through the Nighttime Economy Task Force, as well as being a gorge techno DJ. Today, we are going to find out what he makes of the new roadmap for events, what the pilot uh, might look like um, in the coming weeks, and what he thinks is in store for Ireland at night and indeed during the day for dancing in the future. So Sunil, tell me, how are you feeling about the announcement that was made yesterday? Um, a little bit underwhelmed, uh, both parts of it were predictable we saw coming but I do think some of the messaging and some of the leaking that was coming from government what misled the public and misled a lot of the industry you know there were there was a particular leak around uh, live music events returning um the day before yesterday so the day before the announcement yeah. and it did give the impression that we were looking at something a bit more a bit more positive than what we got in the end because essentially there's there's still heavy restrictions on events there is there are going to be more people permitted at these events, but to do the types of events that a lot of event organizers would like to put on, it still won't be possible for them to do that. But the, the issue I have with it is, is there's no lead up to it. So there's a lot of talk about phased opening. We, we, we're not enjoying a phased opening. Uh, if we're to just talk about uh, nightclubs, they are a phase of their own. They are, they are the last phase and it's subject to other what happens in between, you know? So I, I feel we should have had our own phased reopening between now and then to build confidence both, you know, within the industry and from the public and the government too, so. Uh, what was discussed at your meeting with Catherine Martin and Leo and Mar Michael Martin? And was your feedback taken on board? Um, I feel, yeah, I feel we were listened to. I mean, there was a, a lot of groups in there, you know, and I think there was, there was... There was a mention by the Taoiseach just about kind of coherence between the whole industry that maybe, you know, there's a lot of different voices all saying different things. Um, but at the same time, we have our own we have our own issues and our own, you know, there's lots of stuff we've got to talk about that don't just have to do. Because the big thing for us is about it's not just getting a reopening date. It's 
once we once we reopen our doors as an industry, we're 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 really on on thin ice. You know, we 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 could go under really really quickly. Yeah. So it brings us back to the old questions around licensing. Um, so that was one that I raised. That was kind of a, a second question. I mean, I originally planned to put one question each, one to Michal Martin and one to Leo Varadkar. As it happened, they both kind of picked out elements of the same questions and answered uh, each of them. So I mean, there's a lot of points I made as well. But the two, the, you know, they one of them really the first one really revolved around our return and health and safety and testing and international best practice and what our plan should be and whether or not we need to facilitate greater communication between the health department and the industry itself because let's face it a big problem for us being at the back of the queue is that health authorities fear our return perhaps don't fully trust the industry and then on the other hand on our side of the fence we're like these these people don't care about us. They're not giving us a chance, and you know there's a little bit of mistrust as well on our on our end towards them. So I, I really feel that the government needs to facilitate that communication and help us come back in a way where we're all on the same page and we're not just like fired this PDF, you know, hours or days before we're reopening and told to just reopen. I, I think there are specific challenges around indoor events particularly with ventilation and we think testing as well really it's it's something people aren't talking about enough and i, I think it's just you know and the general health and safety of people go, go you know going to venues or you know those who are working in venues there's there's, there's bigger conversations to be had now and i think i would prefer to be having those conversations with authorities rather than just within the industry and we just need to it, the communication needs to improve with the government around around those those issues that i've mentioned but also it needs to be then communicated then to the wider industry because there's different venues different promoters you know everyone's their their own person every venue you know different venues come in yeah. different shapes and sizes and i think we might need to just there's just different layers to the planning here and then also just to get everybody hopefully on the same page you know that that's what i would like to achieve here and to just also prove to the authorities that we that we're you know we want to do this right and we want to open and stay open and we don't want to be be the cause of super spreader events or anything like that you know so um i think i think Michal martin did take that on board uh, and i asked like for a working group we've got no confirmation if that's gonna gonna happen sorry i'm waffling now a little bit no, i can get into the no, I, can, yeah. I can get into the, the licensing thing uh i don't want to just come on and start waffling away and not letting you talk because i do want to talk about the potential of maybe what COVID has opened up for the industry but before we do uh we might just get tap onto the restrictions um, and the, the map that was announced yesterday that the new restrictions are from the 6th of September, 60% capacity in entertainment venues, um, and then looking to the 22nd of October that the full lifting of restrictions will happen. Well, like, I suppose the question for me is, I know there was a lot of uh, feeling that 60% capacity in venues is just impossible because unless there's the supports in place that a venue and promoters um, can't afford to put on shows, uh, be it across in theatres or be it in clubs at 60% capacity. Um, so I suppose my fear is that we have this October 22nd date in the in the, in sight, but if something goes wrong, that that is pushed out and there's this 60% capacity uh, thing holding on for a while. Is that something you're worried about or am I just... No, I mean, you know, I think you're right. I mean, again, it gets back to this phased reopening, you know, like if it, if it stays at 60%, I mean, you can then kind of argue, is this just some arbitrary number that's been put? What's the reason for 60%? Like, like surely we should go from 60% to 70% or 75% and lead up to whatever October, like, because the UK did this as well, where they just went gung ho, they just went all all in one day and whatever it was called, Freedom Day or Freedom Night or whatever. And I, I think that will actually scare the authorities a little bit too. But they're the ones that have now set set these rules or this roadmap. So again, it's about coming at it kind of gradually that I think is important. But in terms of the sixty percent, I think for the late night stuff, that's not workable. But I could see a lot of daytime parties happening, and and you know the the guidelines, the strong guidelines are not to dance, but they are guidelines. So there there is a possibility that people can put on 
dance events, good good events during the day. And maybe that's just the way we need to come back at us. But, I, you know, what, what I'm very concerned with is, is the indoors, you know, and how we do that safely. And I, I would like there is going to be a pilot event uh, later this month. But, you know, there has been talk about a number of pilot events. And I, I would I would like to have had a number of regional events as well. I don't think it should all be centered around Dublin. I think we need to celebrate nightlife in other and the potential for nightlife in other parts of the country. I, I love the idea of just these, you know, old random clubs or clubs next to a hotel in the middle of nowhere. We've lost a lot of those around the country, but I, I think it was a good opportunity to try to put a few of those back on the map and just remind people how 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 good nightlife really is outside of Dublin. And let's face it, I mean, maybe a lot of the opportunities for nightlife going into the future they won't be in cities like Dublin. I hate to say that, but there's more opportunity, really. And I think people maybe even just staycationing around the, the country over the last, you know, 18 months or, you know, the last two summers are starting to maybe see the opportunities in other parts of the country. So it would be nice to, to kind of revisit that. But I think it's important that we just don't make it two Dublin centres. And the plan was to do more than one pilot. Now it looks like there'll be one. Again, I would argue that we need to do a number to build up kind of best practices for this for when we come back. So, On the pilot event, uh, can, can you tell us anything about it? I suppose from the pilot uh, point of view, we've seen the music events ones that weren't really testing or piloting anything. It was like mm. very like come into your cage and like... I, <laughs> come into your cage. It was. It was like a cage watch show, but like obviously there was... There was a re like maybe not a reason, but there was benefits for the industry. People were getting to perform. The crews were back working. Journals were reporting. So there was, I suppose, a bit of an ecosystem moving in the industry. But it wasn't piloting or testing. No humor perspective. So will the clubbing one be any different? Well, I mean, just to get back to Emma and to the one in Ivy Gardens, I mean, you could argue that they're two of the best art pieces of this year. I mean, they were like, you know, when you go back and look at those, you go, holy shit, what was that? What was that? Yeah, that, yeah. that was deadly. Like, you know, maybe people might just look back on it a little bit differently. We go, what were we doing? What was that? You know, so um, maybe there is, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's something in that. But the, in terms of the 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 return well okay so some of this will obviously hinge on what current regulations are as well the big one for us would be testing because we think that is going to have to play a part so there is antigen testing you know that is that is meant to be part of the 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 pilot in terms of entry requirements that will all hinge on what the governments actually want in the short term it's my view anyway that's you know I don't. I personally don't have a problem with COVID certs. I know there's a lot of people that do have a problem with COVID certs. Um, maybe not that many, but we still respect people that you know perhaps for some type of reason can't get the vaccine or whatever it is. I would like to see that we take the, the route of other countries and allow a negative PCR test or somebody that has. Um, that can show proof of, of natural immunity. I think in the short term we can't be we can't be too uh, can't be too cocky about this. Like COVID, the Delta variant is still knocking around, so I've no problem with you know if you're coming in there and you can't you can't show proof that you've you know that you're somewhat protected uh, yeah. by this and that you're hopefully through testing as well you're you're protecting others as well. You're not going to come in and spread it. I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all, and that's what we should be aiming to do all the time: is to prevent the spread um, and not allow it into into our venues. But um, but I think there's it's a kind of an interesting and very divisive topic. I mean, I brought it up in the in the meeting the other day when we met with the government, the Taoiseach Tonishan Minister, and it's it's one of those ones that nobody really wants to talk about either, really, because of how divisive it is. Because on one hand, it's kind of like, oh, you know, if you if you have any kind of mixed views on us, that you're you know, an anti-vaxxer or hard right or whatever, whatever, the, what is it, hard right, is it, or whatever. And then, yeah. um, and, then, and then on the other hand, if you're, yeah, I don't know, it just sort of starts, I, I feel, I feel what they're doing in other countries is a little bit, is a little, and maybe not lo loose or flexible kind of makes it sound like it's, you know, it's becoming, it's too easy then. And then, you know, there's, it's not as restrictive as it needs to be. But I do, I do, uh, we're, again, I want to focus more on the testing element of it. We're, 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 I'm not, I don't really particularly care that much about yeah. COVID certs, to be honest. I think if at this point, if you haven't got vaccinated 
and you're going into a venue, that's on you, you know, that's on you, you know. The main thing is that you're not carrying it and spreading it, you know. So I think already we're seeing the pubs and restaurants don't like the COVID surge, you know what I mean? And it's not, it's, and I'm not sure how exactly. how tightly it's even been, you know, it, implemented in, in, in some, and that's just natural. That's the all the world over, you know. It's not, it's not just here, but they, you know, they happily signed up to that, but now, a month or so later, they, they want to get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've seen signs that there isn't going to be a COVID cert. So, I mean, from, from my from my perspective, I can understand people's views on that. Uh, but I think moving forward, I, I, we'd be just more about testing, really. And then whatever the governments need to do on, like, their entry requirements in the short term, I wouldn't have an argument with the likes of a, a COVID cert. I would like, though, for this pilot that... Um, that, like I said, that we're just a little bit more flexible because I actually think a negative PCR test is actually more, you know, is more valuable in in in, in a certain way uh, in terms of showing whether you have it or not. Some people, again, the, the pilot is going to be about uh, proving the the efficiency of uh, and and reliability of antigen testing as well. I'm, I may be saying too much about all of this now, but that's the general. But I think because the regulations have been kind of changing, it's hard to know what 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 we're going to you know what's going to come from this so um do you know where it's going to be when it is and do you have guest list <laughs> Def- definitely have guest lists yeah no problem but the um uh probably not for too many though but um but the i it it, it would be rough i don't want to put it it'll be roughly two weeks or so from now that's roughly when it's meant to be but that's been subject that's subject to change because it's been the date's been changed from the end of july from you know that it was the end of August, then maybe beginning of September, then it's been the, the, the date in September. We still have to get a sign off on it. But really what we want to be doing with that is is um, what I'd like to see is if it is that there's not, that it is that everyone can just enter a venue and we've reached that kind of herd immunity point, which seems to be what the government are, are suggesting and are saying in their, their, their most recent announcement. That's, that's their hope, it, it well, appears. I suppose I would argue uh, there was a festival in Cornwall where called Boardmasters. There was yeah. apparently a new Delta strain now, like they haven't confirmed that, but like with 5,000 infections coming from that. So I, I think, I don't know, I'm no immunologist, but herd immunity seems like a... A dangerous game to play. Just like, yeah. worry you, or what do you think? Well, I don't know. That's why it makes me question parts of, of yesterday's announcement. I mean, it seems very confident on one hand, when we haven't been very confident up to now. So it does, it does strike me that the government are trying to kind of are, are just trying to get people to shut up for the moment, really, and just leave them alone. That, uh, that's what I think they want. I think that's what part of the announcement is yesterday. It's just, and, and their messaging was very good. And to be honest, I, I don't think many many journalists really questions um there will be obviously opinion pieces and think pieces that will come out i'm sure in the coming days but generally all the messaging was very very positive i mean there's a few funny headlines there was like never say nephid again i saw i thought that was brilliant um there are so like there's a lot of positives and we only want to be positive as well but we are aware that if things go wrong we can be very quickly scapegoated and we can be very quickly shut down so we're trying to we, we, we don't want to just sort of we don't want to just play by this sort of, you know, government and chosen media reps that their narrative. I don't want to play by that because we're the ones that are actually, you know, in the trenches here in this industry, you know, and we, we, we I think in some ways have a better idea of how this may play out, you know, and how it could play out if we if we plan correctly or if things go wrong. So that's why I, you know, um, f- listen, full credit. I don't want to I'm not here just to knock. The, I'm not actually even here to knock the government because yeah. I actually think they have a very very difficult job here you know um uh, but also it's been very very difficult for the public as well and we, we want to just get back at it and i'm also mindful as well within the club scenes that we just have you know it's 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 so diverse there's it's 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 beautiful i mean the club scene is we, we've we've enjoyed it for so many years we've un- unfortunately watched it disintegrate but it is the place for the freaks to come out at night you know and i don't i i love that i want to get back to that you know and i think that's that's something we've as as places like dublin have kind of become blander and decayed i mean that has actually moved in tandem with the decay of of nightlife you know and it's uh we we know what we i think we all and you know you've been quite outspoken on this too we all know what needs to happen and nightlife is really central to bringing back that kind of well-being of, of of our community but also kind of opening a door to people that want to be part of the community as well so 
do you think the pilot event is a way of shutting everyone up to be like, look, we're doing something? Or if, like, if there's no testing or like anything coming out of it? I think there will be testing at it. I think because of the date and when it's going to be, I think we have to ensure that, you know, that those that are there, that, that everyone is, is, is safe. Like we don't want, like we are testing, you know, what a, a future scenario could look like and, you know, try to develop best practices. I would argue that we're not going anywhere near far enough. Like I said earlier, I think this should be part of a number of events, yeah. you know, uh, but there are a lot of international learnings out there as well that we can obviously pick from. But, at the same time, no, I don't think I, well, you know, I think we, I think with, with nightclubs, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those types of events and, 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 uh, and venues and spaces that, that, that doctors and health authorities do fear. Um, and I think it's, I think there's also this kind of like, how do you, I, I have found that the government are very worried about, you know, a certain demographic of how, how, how they might object to seeing nightclubs reopen. You know, they're still very, they still seem to be very worried about a particular voter base as well. But I think we've, we've kind of broken through that now where people are just ready to, yeah. to consider and think and talk about nightclubs opening, which I think is, which I think is quite positive. But I, I do, I, yeah, no, I do think this is actually to lead to this event. It'll build confidence more than anything it'll build confidence that an event went ahead you know the city didn't shut down there wasn't an outbreak it can be done we can actually go out and dance in a nightclub again and it's Ooh. fine let's, let's get back to it i would argue that we should then we should fast track then the the the, the return you know yeah. if it all if it all goes well this month then why don't we start right. getting ready for for early october or, or mid-october and, and maybe even phase it between again talking about this this phase reopening yeah. let's actually have a phase like if that goes well why not permit or allow you know allow a couple of other venues around the country yeah. for one-off events to reopen and just it's like turning on a number of few you know, a number of lights all around the country. And then by the time that big date comes, we're, we're all ready. We're, we're kind of, we're match fit. We've, we've yeah. warmed up, you know, we need to warm up a little bit. That's what I feel with this. In the same way, I need to warm up when I go back gigging properly again. <laughs> you know, I need to, you know, you need to get a little, you know, the smaller gigs out of the way. Do you know what I mean? You need yeah. to, yeah. And I, I think a lot of other people can probably relate to that. So that's what I'd like to see happening. Cause I think that, 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 that is the way other, other um, areas or, or other sectors are, have been returning, have been given the opportunity to. Um, water. Do you think uh, COVID maybe gave an opportunity for the clubbing world to move forward in terms of licensing the conversations happening on licensing on how we run our clubs and what they stand for and closing times and all that jazz um i think we were on we, i think we were already on the right road I, I would argue in some ways that it kind of held us back um i think it's moved us forward in that it's helped it's it's forced a lot of people particularly politicians to stop for a minute because everyone's been stopped in their tracks through covid that we've had to actually consider certain situations that we perhaps didn't have to think about as much before so on, on that front i think a lot of politicians have maybe started to look into it a little bit more and maybe converse with more of their constituents and business owners and performers entertainers whoever promoters etc and and they're actually hearing these stories from people that weren't necessarily being be, being told you know two years ago you know before that was very much oh the industry wants to open but now i think people are hearing a lot more from people now you know our politicians are hearing more from people the public um and and the media are hearing more from people and, and their situations perhaps not enough when it comes to our sector but you know it's obviously become a little bit um a little bit smaller as well. I don't know. I think on licensing, I, I have to say one difficulty that I would sort of have with it, as good as it's been to to improve our relations with the likes of the Justice Department and department officials in, in, in other government departments and the government in general, I find that even during the Nighttime Economy Task Force, the fact that most of our meetings were done on Zoom calls and stuff like that. I, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's helpful really, yeah. you know, because I, I think it's it's one of those it's one of those situations where a lot of people can just shut up and say nothing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think it's easier to get dialogue going in certain areas. And there are there are a few, you know, a couple of government departments who who are problematic when it comes to this in terms of just not being 
maybe problematic's the wrong words, but there, there's, there's no sense of urgency about them anyway. And then if you put it in a, a Zoom uh, kind of online meetings uh, scenario, it, it's, it's not um, our environment, at least. It doesn't really go where it needs to as quickly. Um, I mean, I've, I've still made the most out of some of those meetings at times to put people on the spot and get direct answers. And I always try to do that, you know, I, um, I, but at the same time, I feel we could have made more grounds because, I mean, licensing is one thing, but it's one thing changing the licensing laws. Where are you going to put on the events then? You know, how, how do you have access to those spaces? Mm -hmm. I, another big one we need to speak about is investments. First of all, how do we incentivize investments? Okay, you would argue that licensing laws should incentivize investors and, and money coming back into the industry. It mightn't be enough on its own, though. You know, I think a, a nightclub or as I'd like to start to focus on a dance club, dance clubs, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, like nightclubs, there's a certain stereotype of what a nightclub looks like and all the rest. Let's just start focusing on the, da the dance elements. So I'd like to focus more on them. I'd like to really distinguish, you know, because there's been yeah. a grey area as well over the last, you know, couple of decades now, really, between a late bar and a club. And actually, there are some late bars that are kind of masquer or that are that are clubs kind of masquerading as late bars mm -hmm. in ways. They've just they've changed their model. But I think when the when this nightclub permit comes comes back, you may actually see some late bars kind of turn more back into a into dance clubs because there might be there might be certain boxes they need to tick to get that permit, you know. But unfortunately, we've, whether it's a late bar or a club, we've lost a lot of them. But I think w what we do need to be starting to distinguish between is, is, is this a place just to drink in? or to listen to background music or is it a place to dance in you know mm -hmm. or you can socialize everywhere if it's a pub late bar um club theater uh cinema whatever you can go and meet people but the experience is different in a dance club you know and i i, I would like us to focus a little bit more on that is that there's no gray area then and i and i don't think there's going to be any kind of gray area with licensing as yeah. well you know so and i think it's very i think i think that's one part of our messaging that we've that we're officially maybe changing a little bit from this moment it's just dance clubs you know they're dance clubs they're not they're nightclubs as well but i think we here and there we talk about you know dancing and i've probably mentioned dance clubs before but i think there's something quite exciting i, I just like i just like the idea it's a dance what do you go oh we're going to dance you know because i just think less and less people dance now you know there's a lot more people a lot more dancers at a at an event now who are spectators you know and they're filming and you know and i don't Listen, it is what it is. It's just the way it's gone. And unfortunately, we've been inspired a lot by by festival culture and large events and big stages. And people want to kind of to, to experience that again in a club setting. But it doesn't always work, really, you know. And I think that that's something, you know, when you go into a club, you, you go in and you kind of it's a time to kind of forget about everything and just focus on the people that you're with and the, the, the moment, you know, rather than and I don't want to get too deep into the whole filming thing that's that's yeah. going to be here it, it's unfortunately we have to accept some of that well not necessarily no, you can, that, you can. That was, i think there's a definitely a movement towards it in clubbing for sure yeah 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 but i do i do um what was the question i forget what you oh about licensing sorry i was waffling on there a bit but a thousand times and all that thing but uh before i let you go um in the current issue of the Dublin Fringe Guide, there's loads of stickers and it's like Dublin needs dance floors. And as you were talking about dance, the importance of dancing, we we have lost so many spaces. We do need we do need dance floors. There's not as much dancing because we've left dance floors. Yeah. What do you think, a nice little light one to finish off, what do you think the future of clubbing is going to look like in Ireland now? Like how are we going to get the dance floors back? What what or what is going to happen? What do you foresee happening? Well, I actually think that the key is in a, it's in a few different kind of industries or a few sectors. I think the pub industry can play a part. But I also think theatres as well. There's been a great relationship between the, the clubbing the clubbing community and 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 the theatre world as well over the years. And I know there's a lot of um you know passionate people within the the, the, the theatre world who who want to see better, you know, better clubbing scene in, in, in the city and around Ireland. But, you know, some of them are actually based in spaces that could be used as clubbing spaces. You know, we don't, we're not swimming in spaces that are all suitable or could be permitted for dancing, you know? So I think it's kind of, I think there's, is an element of, you know, 
caring and sharing here, you know, moving forward is that we, if, if we all have this kind of collective uh, vision for what it is we want from the future, which are just good spaces to congregate in and listen to music and dance, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what the out, outside of those buildings look like or it just really matters that you're not causing too much you know disturbance to neighbors which is a problem in dublin at the moment that's going to be more of an issue moving forward when we with licensing laws you know when we change the licensing laws that's one thing but it's like having having nightlife in designated areas obviously would be great i mean one of the problems we've sort of come up against is is trying to move nightlife to the onto the outskirts of the city you know but at the moment we're from what the, the question the answer that I was given last time around moving nightlife to, let's say, a retail park or an industrial unit is that that's not in the, you know, the the town's first initiative or in the, the Ireland 2040 vision and this stuff. And you're kind of thinking, but with all the issues that we're now having in, in city centres and with city centres becoming as built up as they are and the amount of complaints and that's going to, you know, that's not going to get any easier. Surely it's, it's, it's a it's a good plan to try to transplant or grow or build some nightlife on the outskirts. I mean, Ballymount Bally Industrial Estate, it would be amazing to put something out there. There's many different little spots, you know, on the outskirts of the city, some nearer the city centre, some a little bit more. I mean, as public transport as where well the, starts to improve. Where the are? Yeah, that would be well. From from my, from, I don't know. I'm hearing rumours that there may be something for out there. I don't know, but um, who, who knows? I mean, there is talk of a of a three thousand capacity venue being built in the city at the moment, but uh, which we need. But I would also argue that we need some smaller ones as well, more community spaces. So getting back to what you're saying about what the future of nightlife should look like, I mean, it should be. So, you know, I think Una has actually brought it up in her um, in some in one of her pieces as well about the idea of. Creating Creative cooperatives um, um, coming together. I think she was she focused a lot as well on, on them, like opening a pub, which is you know actually some of the model is there already with what the likes of Body Tonic did and maybe some other collectives as well. But doing it in a more kind of almost DIY kind of uh, well, like a lot of Body Tonic stuff is very DIY as well. But they've kind of expanded expanded their their business and have got more into kind of hospitality over the years. And uh, but I mean for other collectives who are just kind of starting up and just want to take a punt on something but they're going to need a little bit of support from the government there as well and to you know i'd, I'd love to think as we well that crowdfunding clubs the what we need to start crowdfunding clubs yeah and that that will play that will play a part in yeah. it as well and i think like that kind of online funding um it, like i think what we really want as well is to be able to buy places outright and if you did have access to places on the outskirts that aren't going to cost as much in the city center if you could buy a warehouse space for three, four, five hundred thousand up to a million or two. I got to I mean that's a lot of money, but you know, but let's just say talk the lower the lower end of that, three, four, five hundred thousand. That can be done, you know? And let's say that whole held three or four hundred people, you know, be perfect, you know? That's, that's a good, good enough reason to get to go get on a bus and get on another bus, you know, like, you know, or, or whatever way, way you need to go to us. But like, you know, I know we speak a lot about other cities and Berlin and Amsterdam. And, but when you get to these places, there's it, it's particularly somewhere like Berlin, you, you won't think twice about getting on a, on a, on a tram or a, you know, an underground or U-Bahn. Yeah. Um, uh, bus or whatever it might be till you get there. So it's. Um, I'd like to think though that if we can't do it all in one spot, we need to start thinking of new spots. But this will all hinge really on 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 the forthcoming development plan. I mean, we did put in a we did put in a proposal there, and the chief executive did pick up on some of the some of the aspects and some of the ideas of, of what we were putting forward in that. But whether or not they implement implement that in the next development plan remains to be seen. Uh, zoning is going to be, I think, the next stage of this in terms of uh, uh, proposals that they're looking for, I believe, anyway. So that will that'll play a big part I in it now. I'd like to throw in before we go the fact that in other countries, it's the responsibility of developers when they move into an area to soundproof their buildings and to allow clubs to be in a city because nightlife is part of a city so if you want if you choose to live in a city that that's part of it that's probably a conversation for a different day so i'm going to leave us on today. yeah the agent to change and stuff yeah that is that is that that's one i mean that's all stuff that will come from the nighttime economy task force and just to finish on that we did while i said that maybe some 
people, some departments are a bit more hesitant to get involved in those conversations. Those conversations have started. They're just not moving as quickly as we want. But there is there is recognition from the, the housing department now that that is a that is something we need to look at. And I think actually the culture department may be leading on that as well when we set up an actual group you know, to kind of analyze that and hopefully bring in better, better, a better policy on that, you know, so. Um, well, I would like to say that I feel very optimistic about our clubbing scene, that it will come back. And I haven't for a while, but I do now. Yeah, I do as well. I think, I think people, I mean, we've been, yeah, I feel dancing. I, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah, I do. I do as well. I just, I just. There's a lot, a lot of work yeah. to be done, a lot done, a lot to do. There is, there is. Even when we come out of COVID, there's there's years to go with this, and we can we can keep making it better. But we need to we need it to grow. We need it to actually start going in the other direction rather than just I've you know it's like a lot of things. I don't like when you know we have to put up like bad news stories. Even with our social media, would give us the night. You know, some of the times when we get spikes with followers, it's because of because a venue is shut down, and we're just telling everyone what's going on. I don't want to be, I don't want that. I prefer us to be, have like, you know, less spikes and followers if we just actually, you know, if less bad shit was, was happened, you know what I mean? But it just seems like anything we kind of announce, it's even been a little bit, I was looking at my own Instagram page there a while ago as well. And, you know, whether it was friends or whether it was, you know, famous musicians or, you know, there's just been just a lot of net, just a lot of bad stuff happening in the last couple of years. You know, people, people very very important people in music, very important friends in our within our music community here who we who we've lost, and it's uh, yeah, it'd be just nice to start bringing back some kind of good yeah. I just like more good news, and for us all to start um, just being inspired by our country again. You know, that's the yeah, and, and, and maybe wanting to stay here in Ireland as well. I hate to think that even a lot of my students out, and they're very invested in Give Us the Night and where it's going and all the rest. But that's still not enough to stop them from planning to to move to Berlin or spending their summers there. I mean, if I could go back, I'd probably have spent full summers there as well. Like, I luckily, got to play there in the early days. But I mean, I I would see no reason why they should hang around here at the moment. And uh, but it is disappointing sometimes when we know we're moving stuff here, albeit slowly, but but seeing that people are just going, well, it's not moving fast enough and we're out of here. Full, full respect, full credit to them for doing that because I think they should. But I just hope we can give them more to to kind of be positive about so they might just start believing in our uh, in our country again and the possibilities for it for them. Yeah, I think, as Reggie Murphy said, bring it back, sing it back. And that it's up to all of us. And if we want to have a thriving community, it's the responsibility lies on everyone to do to, if they want to see a thriving community to be that, that community, whether that is going to clubs or putting on clubs or whatever that is. So Neil, thank you for joining us thanks, today. Thanks a lot. Look forward to uh, coming out of our roadmap of um, so fingers crossed. And I will stay positive. I, yesterday I was like, ah, oh, don't know, still a bit, mm, it's not ideal, but let's just hope, let's just, I mean, there's a lot of, kind of it's a bit of a hit and hope let's just see what happens so yeah just trying to yeah be positive about it let, let, let's hope we're all back dancing on full dance floors by october 22nd yeah let's dance million. <laughs> thanks thanks andrew now this week getting in the sea is the very sad and depressing uh, news that comes from Texas. Um, they've introduced a new abortion ban. The new abortion ban outlaws any sort of abortion, including in cases of rape, um, fatal fetal, fetal abnormality, um, incest. Um, that's all bad enough, but again, against choice in general. But the, like that's, that is so awful. Um, and then the worst thing about this is, though, the way it's been introduced allows any person who knows about an abortion that's happened can take a case against anyone who is involved in procuring the abortion from uh, somebody who dropped the person to get an abortion, the doctor who did it, um, the Uber driver. Um, it is so depressing, Martini. Um, the Handmaid's Tale is not a work of fiction. And how anyone can stand over this um, in this day and age 
in terms of women's health care and deny it. And when you have people standing up being, we're so my body, my choice when it comes to the vaccine and refusing it. Um, and then not when it comes to abortion rights, you can t- really see that it is a war on women um, and it can absolutely get in the sea. But now it's bananas. Okay, I am sorry for making it's bananas. All It's always about co-living or student living, it feels. Um, and today's one is that land um, that has planning for co-living on Cork Street in Dublin 8. Um, it got in just before the ban um, was enforced. So it was on the horizon, but they got the planning permission in. Bypassed Dublin City Council. There was strenuous objections from residents um, against it. Um, but on board Panala gave it the gave it the permission. And now that land um has been has gone on sale for 25 million. So this is land speculation of the highest order. Got the planning permission. Um and now the land is on for sale. There's already so many um co-living and student accommodation in Cork Street and the surrounding areas. Um, and to think that that land could be apartments for families, for single people, for um, for anyone. But instead, it's going to be these shoebox size uh, places with no facilities that share kitchens and sitting rooms that nobody wants to live in. It will be interesting because will co-living make any money because the all the co-living around in Dublin 8 is there is not the demand for it. The student living is empty. There is not any life in the area from the co-living and student accommodation. So you would have to wonder if there if it is commercially viable to buy the land. But the fact um that we're still here um and it's time to look and do the same thing for bill to rent. Um some bill to rents went on the market in Fibsborough, 1900 for a one bed. Um, it's just absolutely bananas, like what is happening. And yeah, we need to get an absolute grip. So we'll look forward to the housing for all announcement and hopefully that will take in some of these issues. But now on to a better note, some fave bits. I have a short list of two. First up, Richard Malone, uh, fashion designer extraordinaire. He has curated an exhibition called Making a Momentum. um, And it's a conversation with Eileen Gray. um, And it has been on tour and it is arriving into the National Museum of Ireland this Friday. Um, And I am very, I'm going to preview of it tomorrow. Very excited to see it. Um, Love Richard, love his work. Uh, He's a big, United Ireland fan listener as well. Hi, Richard. Loving your work. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, definitely pop that in your calendar to have a look, as would I with the Gays Film Fest. Booking's going, going live on Thursday a.m. of this week. So pop on, have a look at the program and see what's in there. Uh, shout out also to other listener, uh, Joe Caslin, who loves Jennifer Lopez and Made in Manhattan is his favorite film. And I'm excited to share the love of such an epic tale of hardship and, and just making it through uh, with such a talented artist who has a vision to realize that it's the best film ever. This podcast is produced by Andrew Magan at Castaway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design. This week's tuna chicken roll actually comes from Inna. She requested it before she headed off on her Parisian brick and it is caribou. You can do it. We love a caribou moment. I've been Andrea Horan. This has been United Ireland and that was reopening the arts.
Do it. 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 You know, 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 you